Good way to start, Taylor. Isn't it? Yeah, it's better than yeah. some of the ways that we've started our episodes. Jeez. That's, that's yeah, that's true. Uh, Actually, it's pretty normal, though. What are we going to talk about kind of thing? But Yeah. It, it, no matter how many times that we say out loud the fact that, like, man, it sure is better when we prepare a little bit. Still, we find ourselves having hit record and then being like, so, what are we going to? Well, you're not supposed to say all that. You're just supposed to say that you value spontaneity. You don't yeah. want things to be canned and contrived, so and I'm not gonna the spirit move just, through, yeah, through our time them, together. You, you don't want to stifle the spirit. I'm not gonna lie to the people, man. Well, not about that. Right, there's your problem right there. How do you think you're gonna make it in the digital world? <laughs> I don't. Know, that's actually lie to people. That's a good segue into part of what we wanted to talk about: the digital world. Yes, the digital world. Yeah. I know about that thing. Yes. <laughs> I've okay. been I've been in the digital world and going backwards and forwards in it. Yes, uh, quite the roller coaster the, ride. Yeah, go, going back and forth on the earth and to and fro upon it. Yep, that was the reference. Good job. Yeah, you're well a Christian. <laughs> Thank you. I've you also get, seen. You get, to, you get to stay Christian. Thank you. you don't hey, that's to... another nice segue. Look at all these segues <laughs> <laughs> that we're talking about. Oh, I am the arbiter of who gets to stay Christian and who who is who can be referred to as such. And that's why we keep asking you back. Yeah, that, that's what came from the sabbatical. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Went on sabbatical, and I felt you know at, at first I was like, mm, but then then after sabbatical, I was like, no, I feel pretty confident being okay. the arbiter of everyone's <laughs> did, salvation. Did you... <laughs> <laughs> Did you have one of those uh, Jared Leto experiences where you came back and the world had changed irrevocably? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like waking up in the hospital bed, you know? Yes, Rick Grimes. <gasps> yeah, yeah, nobody's there, nobody's around. <laughs> Carl! Which is, uh, you know, now that I mention it, you, you said Rick Grimes, but I was actually thinking of 28 Days Later. Bo- both, mm. both franchises start the same way, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, little. Mm, bless them. Killian Murphy was a lovely actor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's about to get his big his big break as a leading man and a character actor. And you know how Hollywood loves character actors. They do. If you yes. pretend to be a real person and you do like a really good impression of them, or in some cases a really bad impression of them, 
We give you all kinds of awards. That award season, we yes. love that. I've heard your, uh, your your opinion on Bohemian Rhapsody, which I've not seen. But um, actually, the only bit of it I have seen, other than what's in po- popular culture, is the terrible editing on that one scene where they're sitting yeah, at that freaking restaurant. The, I will say this, that though that scene is undeniably, I guess even by the editor, the editor acknowledged that that scene wasn't edited well. That became viral for its bad editing after mm-hmm. winning the Academy Award for Best Editing. <laughs> Uh, I didn't notice it during the runtime of the movie. Uh, I rarely notice editing unless uh, it's a scene that I can acknowledge in the moment, like, oh, God, this must have been really hard to edit, which is usually yeah. are usually uh, big action sequences like the mm-hmm. freaking Jets and Top Gun or something. You're like, yeah. oh, wow, I'm actually following this, which is pretty I, impressive. I was How can to. I keep up with, with Jets that are just going... Zoom, zoom, zoom. Yeah. Exactly. I was listening to uh, Roger Deacon's podcast uh, this morning on the way to and from work, and uh, they had an editor on there that had edited uh, 1917 and Spectre and other big stuff like that. And his remark was that, honestly, I don't think you need if like unless the editing is part of the storytelling, we don't want you to see it. Right. Yeah. Supposed to disappear into the background. The editor's doing their job right, says me, not an editor. You've edited before, though. I have, yeah. Nothing, nothing comparable to to Skyfall or whatever. To Spectre, yeah. Yeah, I've I've done that. That's part of what I do for work, and so I've done a lot of it, but not not on any kind of movie, anything. Yeah, there's your problem right there. Once again, clearly I'm in the wrong. You're not dreaming big enough. I guess not. I guess not. I like doing music videos. Those are fun, but. Uh, not always on, on the slate, as it were. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the slate, uh, and how many segues can we work into this opening section? That's the well, question. Well, we're not using any of them. It's every time I set you guys <laughs> up for something, you're like, oh, wow, that's a great thing. And then we don't talk about it. <laughs> Seems like the perfect intro to me. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, keep them guessing. Well, 30 minutes later, we still won't have started. It'll just all be banter. Right, so yeah. it'll be like any other podcast that you listen to that's just a load of nonsense on the front end. That's true, yeah. yeah. They love that. And then there's a commercial. And... Mm-hmm. There's seven commercials. We can't save you on Squarespace. When the choice seems to be to tear down the church or build a wall around it, we aim to walk the narrow road of nuance through the wilderness between the warring factions and try to figure out what it means to love God and people well. well. We wanted to talk to you again because the book has been out for a few months now. November, is, is that when it came out? Uh, yes. Yeah, something like that. Last October, fall. November, yes, October, last November. fall. And um, so, and, and the book is great. The last time we talked, uh, I, it had not arrived yet, so I hadn't read it, but I have since read it. And then also listened to the companion podcast miniseries and the surprise companion album that came with it oh, thank yeah. you very thank you very much for that just drowning in content that's right yeah. infinite <laughs> infinite content so uh, i guess what what was interesting to us other than the fact that any excuse to talk with you is a good one is that we're now several months post the kind of um post-release furor if you like you've gone through the release process the thing is out there in the world people have responded to it you've had time to kind of reflect on it and um you know i i just i was just curious or i think we both were to check back in and and see how you felt about how it's been received 
what you would do different if it did the things that you said that it would you were hoping it would do um, and, and then more specifically it required you to take an excursion into the uh, digital wasteland we'll call it mm-hmm. and um, and interact with people in a way that I know is not your preference necessarily, but you wanted right. to do your due diligence to get the promo out there. And this is kind of where the new water cooler is to a certain degree. So, um, I know there's a lot there, so I don't know that I have a specific question, but just, just generally we find you a few months late after, after the fact, where's kind of your head at now on the whole thing? Well, the question about the digital world and the question about you know, processing the, the books release, all, all that stuff's released, the podcast, the book, the, and the new showbread record, um, overlaps because, uh, like you mentioned, I had not been on social media in many years. And by that, I mean, like I had not looked at the interface or, you know, I hadn't, mm-hmm. um, gone online not just you know there i think there are a lot of people who are what we might describe as not active on social media meaning they're not like posting tons of crap every day but they use it they go and see what other people are up to or they follow you know i hesitate to use a word like brands but they Mm -hmm. you know it's how they it's like essentially a news feed or some such thing it's how they keep up with a, a band or you know a movie release or some such thing um but I hadn't seen anything and not in a like, uh, oh, wow, isn't that so impressive? Uh, I don't think that I, I had concluded years ago that I was not mature enough <laughs> to travel in that world um, because I didn't like the way that I didn't like the kind of um, thinking that I was doing when I was in there. And not like, you know, a lot of there are so much ink has been spilled about the um, corrupting potential of social media. So I don't have anything new to add to it other than. I would see stuff and 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 become hyper judgmental, uh, mm, yeah. and and honestly, and maybe in some cases my assessments were justified or accurate, but in many cases they weren't. They were like um, conjecture on my part, but that immediately became ju- judgment and critiques of. In some cases, people I know and love, I would see stuff and be like, "Oh man, they're fake," or that you know, it's just this. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the how it. Uh, my own immaturity when I mm-hmm. sat down and tried to look at what was going on on social media and um, and then so I kind of petered off from uh, participating actively and then eventually just didn't look at it at all and found myself to be much happier um, when it just wasn't even an option in my world I haven't had social media on my phone and still don't in, in years and years and years Um so it's just not something there for me to grab or look at or to open while I'm standing in line or some such thing. And I like yeah. that better. It made me a happier person. Um, I had no plans to involve myself once again, even when I got the book deal and everything. And uh, that became a conversation early on with publishers. They were like, well, if you're not going to do anything, then what the heck are... And I think I naively was like, well, isn't that your job? <laughs> and they're like, what do you think this is, 1995? No, yeah. like you have to... Um, and I, I understand that. I understand that from their perspective in the kind of commerce world uh, and something that someone, you know, in the industry on the industry side of things said to me at some point that was clarifying was like, well, look, do you believe in what you've said in this book? And I'm like, well, yeah. They're like, and do you want people to read it? And I'm like, sure. They're like, well, then, you know, this is how you 
go about that. Yeah. So I was encouraged to give it the college try. They're like, you don't have to do something that you feel is disingenuous. You don't have to like get on TikTok and point at the air and have like words <laughs> pop up or something like that. <laughs> Death if you can find, to decon. But they said, you know, try to think of a way that you could do it that's consistent. And honestly, you know, it probably wasn't great or wasn't enough. And I'm sure that people who know about that kind of thing would say, oh, my God, you're doing it all wrong. But I gave it, I gave it a, a shot. Um, As somebody who knows something about that kind of thing, you didn't do it all wrong. Oh, hey, look at that. Did you hear yeah. that, everybody? Yeah. It's not so bad? <laughs> no, it's not so some, bad. Some people were telling me, like the industry people, they're like, no, you're doing a good job. And I was like, oh, that's probably like, you know, when you pat someone on the head and like, well, we got to say something. So <laughs> no. don't stop. Do more no, of that. So, so I, I work for a marketing agency and I am sometimes uh, against my will drawn into these kind of conversations. But what I constantly say is, look, I may not personally prefer this, but um, if it... If it leads to a real result in the real world, then it's worth it. And, and sure. that's what that's what we try and aim all of our activities on, not vanity metrics and trying to amass the most amount of followers. But I have a colleague who summed it up really well, and he said, if you have something that somebody out there wants or would help them, it's up to you to make sure they hear about it. And that was kind sure. of a different way to, to frame it. Was it yeah, any- totally. Was it any easier having recently done the whole word virus campaign and creating all the the promo artwork that went along with that, did that make it easier to then promote the book? No, because the word virus, which was something that I dreamed up to promote a novel I'd written, uh, what I wasn't the face of it. Like I, there yeah, were no okay, photos yeah. of me or like, you know, I did an audio book, but it wasn't like me talking or my voice, mm -hmm. my own personal real life voice saying, Oh, here's my story and that kind of thing. So yeah. in that sense, Participating in social media again to promote a book that's uh, in large part memoir required me, uh, you know, like it for sensibility sake for me to say like, hey, it's me and here's what I'm doing and here's what I want. And that's the part of social media that feels icky to me. Yeah. Uh, so it was kind of like, oh, I don't really know. And I think I... It immediately slipped back into that uh, judgmental thing on myself. I'm like, oh man, I'm this. I'm now I'm this freaking person. I'm writing a caption and thinking like, oh Jesus, this. <laughs> yeah. But then you know, I decided to release it, so to speak, and just be like, oh, I'm just not gonna overthink crap. And I don't know. I'll. I didn't do anything that was like researching when to post things or what yeah. succeeds. And 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 not to say that that's bad. Honestly, that could have been beneficial, but. I wasn't there yet. I was just more like, hey, here's the thing. Here's another thing. Yeah. If you want yeah. it, you can have it. You know, that That's kind of thing. That's something that we've kind of had to make sense of, too, because for the first year or more of doing this, we didn't have any web presence whatsoever. We were just telling people that we thought might be interested or benefited by the conversations we were having or texting people or whatnot. And then at some point yeah. it was like, you know, we feel like our circle of influence, whatever that is, circle of connections, that's like that's as far as it's going to go. And if that's as far as it needs to go, that's fine. But we felt that maybe there was more that we that we needed to do. But even sometimes it's like, ah, this feels what the kids call cringe to me. Yeah. <laughs> for, yeah. for a lot of the same reasons, I mean, that you kind of articulated, like just not necessarily even wanting the spotlight on us as much as what we're trying to talk about and do, you know. Um, we're not the face yeah. of these conversations. We're just trying to have them. <laughs> 
Yeah, and then suddenly you feel as if you're uh, a huckster, or at least I did. Like yeah. I'm like yeah. trying to sell this thing, and in a sense, I mean, quite frankly, I was. I was trying to sell a book, um, but and I can say this with integrity, not in the sense that I'm trying to sell the book for profit because I have not profited from the book. I, the publishing industry it doesn't really work that way anymore. It's like it's a lot like the music industry. There's like a wasteland between you know the indie self-publishing kind of world in which I've participated and then like small books all the way up to like New York times bestseller. And in between those two poles, there's not a lot of, at least I've come to understand there's not a lot of like, you know, long-term sustainability as a career in the way that there might've been um, even 10, 20 years ago in the publishing industry. Something that we've run into and talked about a lot is is the the lure to platform, mm-hmm. and that you know it it works if you're willing to listen to that siren song and let it take you off into <laughs> you know not not saying that somebody who you know writes a book and becomes go, goes around speaking and has a platform of a thought is bad necessarily. It's just that we we kind of assess. Don't let me speak for you, Ryan, but like that's not going to be good for us probably if we pursue it it's one thing if it just if you say something that people resonate with and you don't you know like you said just i'm putting this out here and people respond to it that's different than i'm actively going to try and grab as many eyeballs as i can and pile them up and stand on top of it that's a little bit of a different endeavor i think yeah yeah and there's a it forces you to exist in this strange paradox where in the in the one on the one hand um you know, I was, I didn't do the type of things that honestly maybe have, might have been great career moves like, Hey, everybody tag a friend and I'll give you a book or, you know, some yeah. kind of thing. I'm not, I, it sounds like I'm making fun. I just mean that those, the ordinary kind of marketing yeah. rhythms that we find on social media, mm-hmm. I don't have any issue with them. I just did, I didn't do that. Um, but at the same time, you know, sometimes someone of note, for example, might have, posted something about the book or or I, I went to talk at a big church or something and it would generate a lot of interest in the book at least temporarily and I would think oh man that was really nice I'd like yeah. that to happen again so it, I wasn't like I don't care you know no one if it if they read it or they don't I don't care I wanted people to know about the book and to find out about the book I just I didn't know how much I could pull off with integrity mm. Yeah. Or that it wasn't even a matter of wanting to, because I didn't want to do any of it. Uh, and not in a like, oh, I'm just so above it. It's just like another thing that you have to do. And I'm I'm very interested in like writing and then having conversations like these. Th- those are very, you know, like uh, stimulating and interesting to me. Kinding, finding a picture to put online and, a, and writing a thing for it and then replying to it. And it's just so restrictive and limited and um sometimes it's appropriate sometimes people would be like hey man i liked this and you know i had no issue whatsoever in being like thank you and i yeah, and i mm-hmm. meant that but then other times you've got like people in comment sections who are asking like deep metaphysical questions or like going for your throat and you're like <laughs> yeah. what are we supposed to are we supposed to actually have this conversation here i'm not doing that yeah. you know that was one thing i wanted uh, to ask you about because i i was intrigued not hopefully not in a creepy stalky kind of way but knowing <laughs> kind of your your disposition towards those kind of conversations i found myself wondering 
how you were going to participate in those dialogues. So I, you know, I, I, the platforms that you, that you have uh, profiles on, I follow. And some, sometimes, you know, you, you would put something out and I would be intrigued. Like, I wonder how other people are responding to this. And some, sometimes it was positive and sometimes less so. So again, a few months removed from kind of the thick of it. How do you, how do you feel about all that now? Well, it was really weird, quite frankly. <laughs> I, I think um, I had prepared myself as much as I knew how to do um, mentally and emotionally and spiritually for pushback. You know, like you don't write a book like that and, and naively assume no one's going to have take any issue with it whatsoever. Yeah. And I've made enough crap now that's confrontational that, you know, I know I know what I'm doing i you know it's what wasn't an accident i didn't it was meant to be provocative so i was prepared for pushback and i was prepared for angry pushback i've experienced that before and then you know i was prepared for conversational pushback that's like well what about this you know that kind of thing and which is which is great which is interesting to me and part of the experience of making something that's supposed to be interesting um but then the weirdest thing happened where the book comes out and, you know, it's such a strange, anyone who makes stuff probably understands this, but there, there can be like a several hundred encouragements that come into my life in some way, shape or form, be they real life or digital text message, emails, people, you know, finding me online or something like that. And then one really mean spirited interaction and your focus just goes to the mean-spirited interaction. We're wired for that for some reason. And I'm like, oh, my God, no one likes it, and this sucks, and I'm an idiot. It was like, but I got staggeringly more <laughs> encouragement than yeah. I did discouragement. Um, so overall, here's, like, the breakout, you know? Like, uh, first of all, thousands and thousands of people have, uh, I guess, come into possession of the book. I don't know how many of them are reading the thing. Um, not by any means like, wow, it's just a, but I mean like lots of people from around the world have somehow come into possession of this book based on the sales figures that I've seen. The, of those thousands of people, an extreme minority of them say anything at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm -hmm. if you look at, even you can verify this on Amazon, go and look at like the best seller that's probably sold millions of copies and it might have like a thousand reviews which is such a tiny fraction of the overall like response to the book. Um, that's just because most people like I do, I, I get books and I really, really like them or really hate them. And it never occurs to me to go get online and talk about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just not how I process. I might sit with my friends and have long conversations, uh, but that's just not really how I process the art I receive. So, of the people that have read the book, which is a small in the big scheme of things, but an even smaller group of them say anything about it one way or another. Now, of the people that say thing say something one way or another, most of those are positive. And I don't mean this to kind of like toot my own horn or anything, but I think that that makes sense. You probably get people who are like, they, they feel the need to encourage because the content is divisive and the, yeah. a book like this one in particular, they're like, hey, man, you know, keep up the good work. Some of us really that kind of, you know, uh, encouragement. So most of the, the acclaim, if you like, or the praise goes one of two ways. The first group probably already agreed with me. 
um, and they really appreciate that I said something. Uh, and so, and some of them um, were on the fence about what they might think about what I had to say, but in the end felt encouraged one way or the other. Uh, a minority of that group that is happy about the book um, it, are the kinds of people who had had deconstructed their faith, maybe to the point of deconversion, or um, had just, you know, kind of drifted from any any kind of Christian community or anything like that, but found in the book some kind of encouragement that brought them back, at least according to the letters that they sent me, you know, the kind of thing that was like I had bailed or I wasn't participating or I didn't believe at all anymore. But this, not like, oh, my God, the clouds parted and God spoke through, but the kind of thing that was like it got me thinking, yeah. so I called so-and-so, or it started a conversation with this person, and now, you know, I'm kind of on the road to restoration as far as walking with Jesus as a disciple of Jesus. Um, that's the, hey, good job. And that's the majority of the feedback that, that came my way. That doesn't mean that like, oh, ever, so therefore everyone who read it loves it. It just means that if they chose to say something, most of them said something like that. And by most of them, I mean like really probably 90 plus percent. Now, the people that spoke up to say something negative they make up the tiny minority of that minority that said something at all. Yeah. And their feedback usually goes, um, you know, one of two ways. Uh, one way is that uh, they, they just found the arguments not compelling, which is totally fine. Like I've, I've read a million books where I don't find the arguments compelling. I have no mm -hmm. issue with that. They just, they read it and they just disagree. They're like, you argued for this. I, d I don't think that that's true. Yeah. That's fine. Um, and the other group is kind of a more emotional reaction, which I, I also think makes sense uh, in the same way that so many, you know, Christians might feel personally attacked by, I don't know, like a Richard Dawkins book or something like that. They felt attacked because I wrote a book called Death to Deconstruction. And they're like, but deconstruction is my spirituality and you've come after my spirituality. Yeah. And I have a huge problem with that. Um, and, you know, honestly... I have no way of proving this, but I've, I've gathered from some of those conversations that it, it seems apparent to me that some of those people in the, in the vocal pushback group have not actually read the book. And not because, like, um, like oh, I, get, I bet you didn't even read it, but because <laughs> they lobby accusations against me that the book resolves. Yeah. Not necessarily like that they would have agreed with, but like, for for example, you know, someone came at me online early, very early on and were like, you know, this book is filled with ridiculous arguments. He just absolutely drags people's honest wrestling and questions through the dirt, makes them feel like idiots. And he never provides a single citation for any of his arguments. <laughs> I remember reading like, that well, one. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh, well, that's weird. That's a weird thing to say because there's dozens and dozens of citations all throughout the book. So, yeah. I mean, it, you might have felt as if I was mean-spirited or, you know, like that's that's subjective. That's fine. I can't, you know, I don't think that I well, I, I definitely know I, w I didn't intend to be. It was but, probably when you said people weren't riding dinosaurs. They just kind of, you know, <laughs> yeah. shut yeah, it well, out. That's <laughs> the, so that's the other thing. That's the other dimension of this. Um, uh, and and I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. But the, the 
the folks that that made me assume like, well, I don't think you actually read it. I think what happened was you read an Amazon preview that allowed you to speak to something specific. Yeah. Um, And someone did admit as much to me. They had done. I didn't listen to it, but someone online sent me a like um, a podcast where someone had spent. I I think it was like, you know, 45 minutes to an hour just tearing the book apart. Um, and I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. They dedicated a lot of time to, uh, <laughs> but then I, uh, that this person had been like tagged in the interactions th- yeah. that, uh, I saw online. That's the only way I know. I don't like go search, you know, Josh Porter, death of deconstruction. But if I get looped into the conversation and I asked him like, oh, did you read it and not like it? And he's like, I didn't read it, but I looked at the Amazon preview and his accusation was, um, that my, my arguments were uh, condescending and, and misinformed or, or some such thing, or they were presumptuous. And I'm like, well, you know, with respect, don't you think it's kind of presumptuous to review a book? <laughs> Was this the whole uh, critical theory thing? Oh, I don't know. But, okay. yeah, people are super upset about like, some. So I do mention critical theory as a concept early on in the book. So that became like a conversation piece. I think you, you could probably find that bit in the Amazon preview. And I, the book's not about critical theory. And what I say about critical theory um, is a quote from a, a, a Harvard volume. It's like, you know, Harvard has this, these series of books called A Very Brief Introduction. Mm. And they're fantastic books. You can find them all, almost any concept at all. And so they're almost like, you know, academic cliff notes to lofty concepts. And I think I quote from it in one of the intros and they're like, oh, you know, another Christian mad about critical theory. I was like, I didn't even say that I was mad about critical. So, you know, people find buzzwords and they find things to which they can gravitate to kind of erect some kind of critique. And then they use (laughs) arguments like, for example, straw man. You know, they're like, oh, he uses straw men, meaning I use them in the book. And maybe, maybe I do. I don't know exactly what they're talking about. Um but I'm like, but isn't it also kind of a strong <laughs> to build this whole takedown around my book um, based on one line that I quote from a, you know, a Harvard very brief introduction mm-hmm. to critical theory when it's not a book about critical theory at, yeah. all, at all. But it looks really good on Twitter to be like <laughs> another Christian mad about critical theory and his dumb deconstruction book or something like that. So all that to say, the interesting thing happened for me. I'd prepared myself. I knew this was going to happen. Um and even though most of the the feedback that came my way was positive, uh, the overwhelming minority was was negative, and not all of that negative feedback was like vicious and vitriolic. Some some of it definitely is. Um, it really bummed me out, and that's a that's a new experience for me because I've made lots of like I said earlier, lots of confrontational stuff, and quite frankly, I've never been bummed hmm. when it's been poorly received. Um, I think that ordinarily I make something and I, I know like, well, some people will like this, some people won't. And that could be for aesthetic reasons or like ideological reasons. And even when they're hyper ideological, um, I find it kind of interesting and kind of part of the aesthetic. And sometimes I'll interact with it. Other times I feel no need to say anything defensive at all. I'm like, no, they, you know, they have a really big problem with it. That's fine. I don't need to run to my own defense. I think it kind of speaks for itself. But this bummed me out. And I felt like, you know, like, what the heck? Why do I care? I, I couldn't find the reason or, or why it bothered me. And I have a spiritual director. I'm talking to my spiritual director who's 
been a pastor for decades and also has authored many books. And he said, well, you know, dude, you, you wanted to help a certain group of people and the group of people that you're trying to help is like, screw you. Hmm. And, um, and you know, you are entering into a conversation you thought like as a, a, as a compatriot, like I have experience in this as well. I have a story to tell. And they're essentially saying like, you're what your story sucks and Hmm. your story is, is not, is invalid. Yeah. So there's no like, um, symbolism behind which I could hide. Like you make like an album or write a novel. It's so allegorical or it's so metaphorical that, you know, sometimes you just kind of roll your eyes at misinterpretation or people do interpret something correctly and they just don't agree with it, but it's still like kind of all couched within this stylized thing. Mm -hmm. And the book is stylized and there's all kinds of stuff in there that is symbolic or metaphorical. ready for page one of this book honestly it really caught me by surprise which i think was the point and that that uh, go read the book i won't spoil it for you but um i was not ready for that level of vulnerability right out the gate which is very much on purpose i'm sure but i also remember reading a review or a comment of somebody was being dismissive of the experience that you shared on page one. And so I can imagine that would be really difficult to know what to do with that. Yeah, it's funny. And, and early on, since I had been interacting with the positive feedback and, and not to be like, Oh my God, yes, this is so great. But just to tell people, thank you. And, and I'm, I mean the, the kind things or the reciprocal things that I say online. Somebody says like, man, this book meant something to me. And I'll often tell people that I feel honored by that. And I, that's the best word I can Mm. think to describe that, you know, what I'm experiencing. It's, I really, really mean it. So early on, I was like, I'll interact with the negative feedback too. I can handle it. So some, you know, and I realized that this was a fool's errand. (laughs) I had not been in the social media game long Uh. enough or back in the social media game long enough to remember how it worked. And it's funny too. They, these uh, platforms really live up to their stereotypes. It's like over on freaking Instagram. It's mostly very, cordial and uh positive you know and then you go and check i check twitter which i only do when i have something to post uh and when i open it it's just like oh my god there's (laughs) several dozen replies i bet this isn't good Uh, and sure enough it's just like man these people are mad and they are vicious um and then they tag me in it it's like (laughs) so why they say these really horrible things about like me personally and my character and like my writing ability and my experience and then they'll tag me in it and then people will just start having these long conversations in like a the reply section which if you don't know how these outlets work like i didn't it collapses or it glues them all together yeah. so that you open one and it just kind of unfolds this long Rolodex of all these people having a conversation about how much you suck. But I was kind of confused by the interface at first. So the first time I got like, you know, the, the online bullying, 
Um, which I say on purpose because I know these people would really hate that I'm calling them <laughs> online bullies. Because um, they think I'm the online bully uh, or the bully in general. I'm seeing all this crap and I'm like, why am I, why am I even seeing this? I'm like, oh, I re- someone at the very beginning tagged me and they're all just talking about like what a piece of crap I am. Um, and some of it, honestly, you can dismiss because it's just like, I don't, I don't know them. They don't know me. And clearly a lot of these people haven't read the book because they, they say they haven't. They're, they're like, oh, they're just hearing about it for the first time just the title and they're like oh wow he's this yeah he's that and their assessments are just like wildly mistaken in some point in some cases like hilariously so like one dude i remember specifically this is early on was like oh i'll tell you exactly how this book came to be he's a mega church pastor one of his influencer friends said i'll write you an intro and he got a book deal just like that and now he's like drumming up all this you know alarmism around deconstruction i'm like well none of those things are true my church has like 100 people in it <laughs> i don't have uh you know access to influencer friends that i can tap and say hey write me a thing and uh it was really hard to get that book deal. <laughs> so yeah because i don't have a platform um and, you know, at first I'm like, well, that's not really, you know, I'm going in there and trying to be civil. And I, I was prayerfully, I'm, this is totally true, prayerfully trying to interact with these people in a civil way and say things that were like not argumentative or mean spirited, but were, I guess, um, as gentle as a, a pushback as you could find. And interestingly, some of the time you do that, uh, I think some of these people become completely disarmed by Mm. someone not coming back at them with the exact same like hostile energy. So, you know, someone would be like, this sucks. And this guy's an idiot. And I would just reply and be like, well, you know, thanks for giving it a shot. I'm sorry you didn't like it. And they'd be like, oh, well, you know, I did like this part. You know, all of a sudden that uh, veneer of just uh, viciousness kind of melts away. And they're like, oh, I forgot there's a person Hmm. behind this the other screen and they're expecting the the other person to behave in the exact same way and i so early on i found that that happened a lot people would kind of recant the if not their thesis on me they would recant the level of viciousness to which they with which they applied their thesis and the interesting thing that i found out and here's the here's our other segue is that a lot of them which it and i'm talking when i say a lot a lot a lot all the time i'm actually talking about like six different individuals or groups you know what i mean that yeah, like yeah. said something online and then generated conversation with people who don't know who i am so like six different people who do know who i am who may or may not have read the book but knew about the book and interacted with other people in their respective followings so it's still just like nothing compared to the amount of people that had something kind to say even if they disagreed with the book but something kind to say um, but it, it feels, it doesn't feel like that. You get like, you know, five different angry things on the internet and you're just like, Oh my God, what the, it's just like another one, another one, another one, even though, you know, and someone who has like a huge platform online is probably rolling their eyes at me big time right now. Like, Are you kidding me? Six. But when I would actually early on try to interact with these people and have civil conversation, two of my strategies were, you know, one, just come at them with some level of kindness, sincere kindness. It wasn't like a contrivance. I'd be like, well, you know, what can I say that's appreciative of this person 
that doesn't, um, you know, I mean, you know, the, the, I think that's part of pacifism is trying to like nullify a cycle of violence in this case, verbal violence by being like, well, I just won't do it. You're, you're, you're trying to transmit violence and I'll just quench the violence and say, oh, okay, well, thank you. And, uh, you gave it a shot. You know, in some cases I could tell they did read it, or at least it seemed evident to me. You gave it a shot. I appreciate that. I'm sorry it wasn't helpful for you. And and it would work. People would say, oh, wow, okay, yeah, I didn't know you were going to talk to me. Nice. <laughs> um, and then my other strategy became sometimes to just ask if pe- the people seem to have, like, these really sincere it, it, and sometimes very vicious but, like, thought out, like, the, I have a problem with this and this and this. I would reach out to them in some kind of private way, like a, a direct message and say like, Hey, if you would like to talk about that, here's my email address. I'm happy to talk with you. Um, and most of them would not pursue that line of communication, but hmm. a couple did. And I had a couple of long email conversations with people that the same thing would end up happening over time where they'd say like, well, you know, I don't agree with you personally, but I understand where you're coming from. And it would reach some level of civility yeah. between the two of yeah. us. Um, but along the lines or along the timeline of that communication of those like six individuals that were really mad or, you know, that started conversation that, you know, eventually rippled out with other people. I want to say all all of them, but maybe maybe just most of them turned out to be former showbread fans, uh, fans of the band that that I was and I guess am in. But ba- a band is a theoretical concept these days. <laughs> Um, and which was fascinating to me because, uh, almost all of those same people that it would eventually disclose, well, here's why I'm upset. I really liked this band and, and it feels as if I've been betrayed by this band that I liked Hmm. would also disclose that like, Hey, this band that you were in was really meaningful to me. And in some cases, like, and I've met you before and you were really, really kind to me or like you helped me, they would have these stories, and so, which was just wild to me. So in one case, there's a person who I'm assuming still really hates me there. They keep coming back online and being like, you know, trying to lead a, re- a revolution against me and my book <laughs> by people who probably don't really care or know who I am. And in an email conversation had disclosed like, oh, I was a, I was a showbread fan. And and I had met you in this city and you were really kind to me and really helpful to me. So I was like, okay, so your only actual interaction with me was really good. (laughs) And and, but you have somehow like from from afar abstracted from that one real interaction, decided that I'm this terrible person. And that doesn't mean like, oh, he was nice to me once. So I therefore have to love his book. But if all you have to go on is this one good experience, wouldn't you at least at least come at it from like, well, I don't like this and I have an issue with this. Um, but, you know, I don't know this person to be a terrible person. Hmm. Uh, let's let's find out more about what's going on. But that's just not how no, it works yeah, so in the digital world. Something we were and that kind of thing doesn't drum up, you know, retweets. Yeah. Right. Get the retweets. Something we were talking about utterly unrelated, but kind of not um, before you before you jumped on here was that. Um, they're specifically in kind of, um, I guess you would say, progressive thought movements, progressive in the modern sense, the, the definition of the word, is, is it seems like, um, let's see if I can uncoil this. <laughs> it makes sense in my head. We'll see when it comes out of my mouth if it makes any sense. It, is, is it seems like there is a, um, 
a resistance to any kind of personal accountability is it's there's a there's a big emphasis on personal expression and freedom and be who you want to be and this kind of thing and I wonder if part of what was going on is that they had a positive experience with you and and your music that you know years later is still a, a, a nice thought hey I, I felt safe here I felt accepted I felt you know loved whatever and now he's quote coming at me and how I live from their perspective maybe I, I wonder if maybe some of that was going on oh I that's my theory um, and it makes a tremendous amount of sense so here's a you know the thing in a nutshell I don't mean to keep calling people out I'm not naming anyone specifically but there was someone online the the record so then out of all that these people who I've gathered are former showbread fans we had for those that don't know that might be listening to this uh, made secretly a um, showbread album which is not something that that band had done in many years and with the express purposes purpose of having it kind of hidden in the book so if you read the book and you make it all the way to the acknowledgments it's not even in the, the actual body of the book itself there's a secret link and a password that leads to an album. I thought that that would be just an interesting way to release a, a record. I've been reading for years about this Wu-Tang album that there, there literally exists one physical copy yeah. of the record. And, uh, and it, it just goes around to museums. <laughs> like people can go and listen to it. And that's, <laughs> that's the only cool. way you can get access wow. to this one yeah. record. They won't digitize it or release it. And I just thought like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. Like there's only one way to get to this mm-hmm album and of course i knew that it potentially could be shared online if anyone cared about it enough to do something like that but just as like a method of release that someone who had just read this long book could then come at a different approach to having the same conversations a a punk rock record is not the same as you know 200 plus pages of like (laughs) memoir and theology essays so you get to you get to uh come at things from a very different angle or even uh interviewing other folks about their own experiences which which you did on the podcast miniseries that went with the book yeah exactly that stuff is like grounded in the real world it's tactile it's experiential and um, you sit down and have a conversation with your friend who has lots of good reasons to have deconstructed and hasn't and say like, how come, what, what's your story? There, there's not really a lot of symbolism that you cloud around mm. that or, or some kind of fictional narrative that you need to orchestrate in order to make it um, palatable. And I don't think you need to make an album palatable anyway. You just, you know, make what you want to make. Um, and I had that kind of desire. You know, I couldn't help myself in the book. I kept putting in, like, fake, you know, fictional narrative threads. And uh, there's, like, a whole, like, recurring motif that's, like, kind of inspired by Pilgrim's Progress. And um, and that because that's the way I like to write. And I draw from other stories and novels and that kind of thing. I really wanted to explore it from a way that wasn't as literal you sit down and write you know like almost like i'd write a sermon but i I write sermons very differently than books but you're you're trying to communicate information um an album is is not necessarily an effort to communicate information at, at all it can be but it's you know more uh you have way more room and creative liberty on a record so we made this record and released it, and it stayed pretty secret for a while. I mean, I got, I was roped into a few online conversations with people who had found it, and um, the response was really interesting to me. There were people who were really responsive to the album 
maybe uh, aesthetically more than ideologically. In some cases, they resonated with the material as well. And I should say now that like it's a it's a concept record, so it's a, a, a made up story, obviously based on real things. But it's a made up story about a narrator who, in the opening song, is like um, kind of succumbing to what they feel is cultural pressure to abandon faith in Jesus. And then they go on this journey where they're kind of like interacting with influencers on the second track and then experiencing like fallout in their social circles on the third track. And it kind of culminates into this um, semi open ended conclusion in which it seems like maybe this person might return to faith, but before they do, they're like kind of grappling with their mortality and what it means to be alive in the first place. So it doesn't even necessarily make a conclusive statement. Now you can infer what the ideology is based on the tone and the satire and, and who I am and who our band is. And, and certainly by the book that was meant to uh, act as a companion piece to the record and vice versa. But the, the record as a standalone um, is uh, not any more or less heavy handed than anything we've ever made. Yeah. It's certainly not any more or less satirical than ever, anything that we've ever made. Can confirm. And, yeah, and it's as <laughs> abrasive as anything that we've ever made. So it was fascinating to me that there, that people were offended by it the way that they were offended by it. I totally understand that, like, especially something that that confrontational, you'd be like, man, this kind of uh, frustrates me, or I, I don't know, I don't, I can't really sing along to these songs because I feel like I'm the butt of these jokes or something like that. That makes sense, you know. I'm, I understand that even though I don't necessarily resonate with that, um, I understand that as a perspective. But the thing became for some people like uh, cancelable and Shobra, it's just not a big enough band for anyone to care enough about canceling <laughs> it or me. It just oh, doesn't work that way. You've done plenty of other things via Showbread that would warrant the cancel Well, that's status. my whole point. Is that, that's kind of what the whole uh, point was, really. Yeah, the, there was this, the, the most fascinating thing to me was when eventually the record was released wide on like streaming services like two weeks ago that's wasn't when, it? yeah yeah very recently and that's when most people found it and some of these same critics of my book were now you know like i think that, that maybe and this is maybe my internal judges social media i think that they were like hooray i have content to post now i can go after this because <laughs> hmm. i was kind of running out of steam on death to deconstruction because as, it, as the first song says i've deconverted please like and subscribe yeah, yeah, exactly. They don't like that. They don't like that. <laughs> I bet Some not. people didn't like that. Um, and it's so obviously satirical that I get that it, I get being offended by it. But to take it to the layers of hyper literalism that some people have, it's absolutely incredible to me that they seem to genuinely not realize that they have become the conservative critics of showbread in 2004 yeah. 2005 they use the exact same rhetoric oh um, man that's a whole they, and in some cases you don't even have to update the language they say the exact same things and and one person seemed to be so um and i don't this sounds uh dismissive but for lack of a better way of saying they seemed fantastically um lacking in self-awareness because the the post about the album and how horrible it is or how problematic it is is the you know social media mm -hmm. language um they said a, something to the effect i'm paraphrasing but a band that used to make a career out of going after sacred cows 
now um, is all about like hurting people or um, or making fun of people who have been hurt by systems or, or, or something like that. Hmm. And forgive me if, if I, that I, I hope that they, they probably won't hear this. But <laughs> um, I thought, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Um, don't you think that deconstruction is kind of a sacred cow? And isn't, <laughs> yeah. isn't this uh, pushback evidence of the fact that... Yeah. And, and I'm not even saying that for this person it was a sacred cow per se... But the reaction against the book and the reaction against the record seemed to indicate, obviously, uh, Christianity can and has been a, quote unquote, sacred cow for a great many people. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, evangelical Christianity in particular has demonstrated a long timeline of hyper fragility and kind of a persecution complex. And yeah. everyone's after us and I'm offended by everything and everything's got to go. I would never deny any of that. So that some people seem unwilling or unprepared to admit that um, deconversion and deconstruction have become in many circles kind of like um, the new kind of fragile, don't touch this, don't talk about this. If you do, we'll absolutely freak out. You can't engage with me thoughtfully. You can't challenge what I believe. Uh, the new persecution complex. It's like, oh, everyone's after us and trying to make fun of us and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that there's no persecution in Christianity. I'm not saying that there's no persecution in deconstruction. But this idea that, um, you know, it's the big bad system coming to get me uh, that was so prevalent and has been so prevalent in so many evangelical circles for so long now seems to me pervasive in what you might describe, for lack of a, a, a more nuanced way of putting it, like progressive post-Christian circles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, I didn't, and by now I'm like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not engaging. And this was the other fascinating aspect was that I, I wasn't bothered. I haven't been bothered by any <laughs> of the outrage over the album. So I think that, again, it's just that, like, it's, an, it's, it's a work of art. You're totally open to interpret this art however you want. I can tell you as the artist the artiste that (laughs) that's not what I meant or that's not that wasn't my intention but you know like I don't have unilateral control over your interpretation of the art I don't have control over it at all so you're free to interpret it how you will just in the same way that you know like the um homeschool mom network that lobbied to get our album pulled from Christian bookstores was free to (laughs) interpret the album however they see fit I'm totally fine with that I just think that it's incredible that one that it seems that many people maybe some people do see the symmetry and they're just not bothered by it but it seems as if there are a lot of people who have no idea that they've become their parents <laughs> in that sense because the the pushback seems to be you well yeah you should be going after people but only the people that I don't agree with don't mm-hmm. I don't want any of that redirected back toward yeah. me I don't want any critique or assessment of what I believe I want you to go get who I think are the bad guys. And it's like hilarious to me that in a discography, I don't know how many records we have now, but in a discography of most records that have satirized, picked on, gone after things like Christian nationalism and, and, and hyper-Christian fundamentalism and kind of closed off religiosity, album after album after album after album, one record 
one record that <laughs> kind of pokes fun at the post-Christian narrative and everyone's like, this band, you know, like, yeah. like, why can't they be directing some of that energy where it should go? I'm like, we have, we've made we've so got eight other albums, many, mate. Yeah, yeah, there's so many records that are exactly what you are, are saying we should be saying. We have said it many times and in many ways, and this to me is interesting. And I've just written a whole book confessing that I, this is my story. You know, like mm-hmm. the, the story that Y'all should love this. That's what I'm, <laughs> the, the fictional character in the album is obviously based on me and, and my story. Um, so I'm not, I'm not satirizing your story. I'm satirizing my story, and, you know, I get to do that. I mean, I get to satirize theirs, too, because art doesn't really have rules. But I, I find that reaction fascinating um, and honestly kind of interesting to the overall aesthetic of the record. It just seems as if there's – and, you know, right away there are people, like, looking for kind of um, – I really hate using this word, but like woke buzzwords to throw at the record as like, you know, stones or something. They're yep. like, oh, it's it's I think somebody online was like, it's anti-Semitic. And I was like, that's interesting. I wonder where that came from. Like, I'm I'm genuinely curious to I, part of me wanted to be like, interesting. What part? <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, I don't want to go down into the, the, the little, you know, the pit there and have any more conversations. Uh, but it, it just. You know, like there, there's that kind of thing. Somebody was like, oh, well, it quotes Dante and, and Dante is problematic. And like, there oh, you're go. really barking up the wrong tree. Really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you think yeah. I have a problem quoting problematic people or the, using them aesthetically. That's the only people there are to quote. Uh, yeah, well, that's yeah. the whole point is that in both cases with the the conservative outrage over Showbread, and I'm being so hyperbolic, you know, there was always a small band. I don't mean to like overstate like that we were you know um the beatles or something saying that what did he say that got him so bigger than jesus or some such thing it's always been a small thing but the the outrage over uh from the kind of conservative stereotype over showbread looks to me identical to the kind of post-christian progressive outrage over showbread and both of it comes down to no one's just willing to actually thoughtfully engage and interpret art yeah Yeah. Uh, because honestly of all the like i'm mad about this i'm mad about this that i've seen online and early on like the the record was it was going to have like a a proper release with a label on vinyl and everything but the 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 label dropped it for the same reasons that other people were mad and even that comes down to like really really empty misinterpretation like to the degree that I'm like, I understand some, you know, like, well, this person doesn't get this, you know, I don't know, American Psycho or something. It's like, well, sure, you know, it's that that's about as abrasive as it gets. And if you're not really operating in that world of literary satire, you wouldn't. Un- yeah, I get that. But to just be like, engage it as if it's just black and white, literal across, you know, like uh, no one even asked anything about the fact that it's a concept record, which is something that I've said all along. And what does that mean? That it is a concept record. It's the same thing that happened when we made a concept record that has, you know, a story about like a stripper in it. Like, oh, it's got a stripper in it. It should be banned from Christian bookstores. There's no engagement with context or interpretation or, well, what does it mean that it says this? And and what is it critiquing? Is it critiquing me? Is it critiquing something else? Is it not critiquing anything? Is this meant to be taken literally or figuratively? No one's doing that work. 
They didn't do it in the during the conservative pushback. They're not doing it in the progressive pushback. I think personally that almost all of it, everything that I've seen so far just goes away if someone sits down. Th- now, I should say, no one's obligated to do this. You can just not listen to it if you don't want to. I'm not trying to like force the, the work of interpretation on people who aren't interested in doing it in the first place. But how can we create content if we don't listen to it? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you are going to pitch a fit, then you should probably engage it. And if you do engage it thoughtfully like and do the work of interpretation, all of the quibbles that I've seen so far just kind of go away. Um, and here's a, here's an example that I find really fascinating. Someone in particular um, was very upset that in the op- the opening song, which is the narrator of the record is kind of describing to Jesus their reasons for having to leave Christianity. And one of the things that they say is that they're they're concerned that other people are going to think that, and they list um, sexist, sexist or racist, homophobic or stupid. And they don't want people to think these things about them so that they're going to have to step off. And um, someone was like really ticked that the word homophobic was in it. And I was like, well, why would you be upset that the word homophobic is in the record? And, and clearly in this context, it's meant to be a bad thing, not a good thing, because the mm-hmm. character, it, one, it's a fictional character, but two, they're saying they don't want to be perceived as racist, sexist, homophobic, or stupid. So. Uh, clearly it's not a good thing or else racism and sexism and, and being stupid would all be good things too. Uh, is it just that it shows up on the, on the, re- what exactly is offensive? And, and there was kind of not an, not an answer to that question. It was just like in the setting, I'm hearing this, uh, what I'm, what I'm perceiving to be a Christian record from a guy who just wrote a book about deconstruction. And he mentions the word sexism or racism or homophobia in the, in the opening track and they were, you know, quote unquote, triggered by that. Like, well, well, okay, but what would thoughtful engagement say mm-hmm. about that's the same thing as, you know, like me going to see the passion and the, the devil comes out and I'm like, the devil, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? <laughs> but in context, what does it mean for the, and I should, probably shouldn't have used the passion because it's got its own uh, all, uh, other thing. I just mean that, man, uh, some things never change. People are not willing to engage art thoughtfully, and yeah. sometimes they're what I think personally is like a fragile sensibility, and the desire to be offended outweighs hmm. the desire to have to think through what it means that you're offended in the first place. Desire to be offended. I've never heard it put that mm. way. That's good. Well, I mean, people love it. It feels delicious to be offended um, and to find what the offense is. To be the person who discovered the offense is, hmm. is a unique privilege. Um, to help bring other people into that sense of being offended um, becomes uh, like a, a kind of, I think, pseudo-communal thing that happens. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's obviously tribalism. It's about what you're against, mm-hmm. not what you're for. Um, and you know, I saw this online too. I saw somebody who was a former showbread fan or, or maybe current. They just said that they liked, they had liked showbread a lot and had stumbled upon the, the hate over the record through someone hating on it online. 
And they're like, oh, this is a bummer to me because it sounds like this, this person was a trans woman. And they said that it sounds to me like they wouldn't like me or he, or me specifically, Josh wouldn't approve of me or like me or something like that. Um, now it seemed to be that they hadn't engaged the record or anything. They're only finding it through a, th- a Twitter thread that was denouncing the record. And right away, this kind of like wave of people came around this person to say like, uh, yeah, he sucks. He's terrible. One person said, and this is a quote, I know for a fact that he would not um, uh, accept your identity in any way or he would not accept you as a human being in any way. Uh, and I was like, that's weird because I don't spit, know you. Spit you don't know me. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? And and then they're like, but we do. We we know you and we love you. And it's like, well, well, you're all strangers. You just met through Twitter for a second. And you're coming together around this like intense desire to be offended by a thing that it sounds like no one's actually engaging in the first place. So what's what's the most important thing to be ticked off about this record or to be like critical thinkers about the record? Because I'm sure you could find some real stuff to be upset about. That's not just like totally superficial. Um, but that's not as interesting and that takes more work. And then the, you know, if you do that, maybe some of this offense will burn off. And honestly, it's just a way of engaging art that this, this sounds as if I'm, you know, have a superiority complex. I don't mean it this way, but I listen to engage with watch a tremendous amount of stuff that I don't agree with. Uh, and it's fine. It's fine with me, you know, like Mm -hmm. I, and I think that, even even stuff that one might describe as a, a, an attack on me personally, though, that, that would be super, like, uh, self-indulgent. But, you know, oh, the Dave Bazan record, Curse mm. Your Branches, is mm-hmm. kind of like the, the anthem of Deconstruction. I wrote a whole book against Deconstruction. I love that record. I think it's a beautiful yeah. record. It's fascinating. I think that I can interpret it uh, decently well because I've read a lot of stuff that he said about it. I fundamentally disagree with... <laughs> Almost everything he says on the album, I think yeah. some of it, um, it, you know, like I would argue with it theologically and, and, and all that stuff. I can listen. I listen to it. I don't I never felt any need to be like, how dare you say these things about me? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I just not how I receive the 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 art or like in high school as a Christian listening to like Antichrist Superstar on repeat, like that's a, a record that is a diatribe against like cultural American Christianity. And what I did was be like, yeah, that stuff is lame, but that's not me. So yeah, you know, like <laughs> I, I found a way to identify with the critique that I think the artist probably would have meant against me, but I just thought, well, what's not me. And that's something that my friend said early on when, um, he is a pastor and he had a friend that read the book and there's a section in the in death of deconstruction called the musicians are revolting that a lot of people were super ticked about um which i think is hilarious and it's like way into the book so it's got all these other thoughtful things around it but it's a bit of satire and i think it's pretty funny um and he had posted excerpts from it online or shared some of it with his church or something and people were really upset about it and I was like, man, why'd you do that? You know, that thing comes <laughs> in like 70 plus pages into the book. That's not really fair to put. And he said, he just said, well, if the shoe fits. And what I took it to mean in that moment was like, well, there's really nothing to be offended about if that's not describing you. You know, like, yeah. 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 if it's not describing you, you just say, like I did listening to Antichrist Superstar, like, that's true. Cultural Christianity is kind of lame sometimes, but that's not how I'm trying to live. So if, and I've met, I have talked to people who are like, oh, I'm deconstructed or I'm post-Christian or whatever. And I understand 
the rhetoric in the book. I understand those arguments. I do think that it does describe a certain kind of deconstruction, but that's not what I did. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that makes total sense. You made the yeah. distinction so, in uh, in our in the last conversation we had that there's really what we're talking about is like deconstruction as opposed to like maturity or sanctification. That it, mm-hmm. you know, faith has to evolve; it has to remodel the house, as it were. And that I think in a lot of people's, I think you made this remark that in a lot of people's remind mind, that's what deconstruction is, and they feel like that they're there's an attack being made on something they felt like they had to do or that they didn't have a choice about. And that's where at least some yes. of it is coming from. Yeah. The language of helplessness. Uh, mm, that's good. I, I could not, I could not have gone any other way. This is something that happened to me, not something in which I am participating actively. And that's not what everyone yeah. says, but that language is, is super pervasive in the conversation. And, you know, also on top of all that, and I realize that this sounds like an irresponsible thing to say, but as like an art, there's this uh, bit that Ricky Gervais does in one of his standup routines where he um, describes people coming to his Twitter to get a, to be offended by whatever it is that Ricky Gervais tweets <laughs> as the equivalent of someone like traveling through a town happening upon like a bulletin board for the small t- town and seeing like a paper that says guitar lessons they rip off a sheet of the paper, call the number, and say, "Is this guitar the guy doing guitar lessons?" The guy's like, "Yeah," and he's like, well, I, don't, "I don't want guitar lessons." You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, that's, that's, that's fine. It's just, it's not for you then. That's you know, no. like that's fine. So I, I get that I've made myself as as small scale as I am, and you know, unremarkable in the world of big impact, like something of a public figure and at least as much as I published a book and I make records and I put them out on the internet and I ask people, I do ask people like, Hey, you should get this or you should listen to this. So it's not like someone came into my house and stole my diary or anything, but at the same time, if it's like, man, this is terrible and I hate it. That's okay. You know, like you just life goes on and yeah, but they, they, it has become kind of like an ideological crusade to be like, I have, you're hurting people and I have to stop you from, hurting people. And then the irony is that it becomes like a a war of ideologies because they begin to argue that like this book shouldn't exist or it should be censored or people shouldn't be reading it. Um, And by that same logic, you shouldn't be allowed to argue against it. Like, you know, like it's just my ideology versus yours. They just have to kind of coexist and you don't have to like it. And you can say stuff about online that you don't like it. But when it goes as far as like, oh man, this is dangerous and destructive. Well, it's like, well, that's all subjective. Couldn't I just as easily say you're dangerous and destructive? And mm-hmm. then and then what? We thumb wrestle until somebody gets to tweet and somebody doesn't? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that, man. It, it, it's... <laughs> I was thinking that, um, you know, at the back of it, a lot of it, I think, if we're honest, we're, and we all do this, is, is uh, Lord, Lord, thank you that I'm not like this person. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. You know, seriously. God knows I have. Yeah. God knows I've done it. And, and, and that I mean, you know, I'd... if if you honestly believe that, then then you can excuse or justify I- any of the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah, but you're appealing to you know Jesus. You can't do that. Oh, well. <laughs> we yes, within our conversation with our circle. But I mean, that's a concept anybody can wrap their mind around. The idea that you have to assume a certain level of superiority. I thought that maybe I had bypassed that accusation by making it a book about me mm-hmm. and making it a book about my own journey of deconstruction. But like you said, Taylor, early on, 
somebody was like, I bet he didn't even deconstruct, which is such a weird thing to say. It's like, why? Just because I'm still a Christian? The, The inference is, oh, okay, if he really deconstructed, then he would think what I think. <laughs> it's just such a ridiculous argument and and based on what and based on what or the thing became right after that like um you know i bet that these really personal struggles that he describes in the book with self-loathing like really vulnerable stuff i bet that's not even real that's probably a put on to kind of like reel in the reader and then trick them in to becoming a conservative fundamentalist or some such thing. What's funny is like anybody that knows anything about you, when have you ever put anything on ever for for any reason? Uh, Well, I mean, it's, you know, for all they know, sure, maybe that's true, but based on, based on what, you know, ordinarily in like the, the kind of thinking world of interpretation or even in like the smoking gun world of the internet, you know, uh, it's like if somebody writes a book about how we should all be minimalists and then someone uncovers the truth that they live in this giant mansion that's filled with all kinds of crap. It's based on something. It's based on evidence, not just the idea that surely there can't be someone who just disagrees with me. You know, that's that's the kind of unthinking Christian fundamentalism that uh, spawned the world of the early showbread records, the idea that um how can these people not just get these pagan? Why won't these pagans just behave the yeah. way that we're telling them to behave? And then kind of in the near the end of the, you know, the early showbread career, it was more theological. It was like the, well, why would these guys hold these perspectives? Um, clearly they just don't know enough. They didn't read this book. If they had read this book, then they would think what I think theologically, the idea that like, the person who disagrees with you just lacks some vital information that you have. Mm. You, it's a very Gnostic perspective. I have the secret knowledge and have therefore come to enlightenment. You don't have it yet. And therefore your perspective is dangerous and destructive because you're not as smart as me, not as enlightened as me. And the irony is that these are the same people who are more often than not arguing for you know, a, a, a utopian coexistence of worldviews and perspectives. You know, the... One, yeah. one thing that people really found, found fault with, or, th- you know, I keep saying people, but one or two people that complained to me was like, oh, this album attacks other faiths. I'm like, it, if what you mean by that is that it argues for a certain perspective over and against other perspectives, like, that's exactly what you're doing right now in this engagement. <laughs> and that's fine. That's yeah. totally fine. Like, so I think that the, the lack of, self-awareness and the if if i can be so bold like the hypocrisy is at times breathtaking it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> and be, because it doesn't take like an you know some part of me wants to go like well wait you know and type something back and i'm like there's not really anything to say like it's it's kind of right there and it's almost like a punchline unto itself and I, and i don't mean that in the like um self-righteous oh they're so dumb i'm so smart but i i think that if the critique of the book that does come back to me had been more of that kind of small group of people I was describing that were like, you know what? I read it and some, and I've seen this, I've seen this in like book reviews and stuff on Goodreads or something. They'll be like, you know, some of it's really good and yes, we do need to do this and this, but overall I found it underwhelming and not helpful. It's like, that's absolutely fine. That might like hurt my feelings as a writer or, you know, a rhetorician or something, you know, um, but it doesn't make me uh, feel defensive for my perspective or anything like mm-hmm. that. That's just the way, that's just the way the world works. That's totally fine. 
but the unthinking blind, like we must destroy it because it's not us. Um, that has been the thing I've been going after as long as I've made anything. Yeah. It's just now kind of reaching a different audience. And it seems, it seems as if some of that audience just can't freaking handle it. It, Yeah. I say to two guys who already agree with me. Yeah. Well, (laughs) we're part of the problem. Yeah, clearly. I, I think though, like a lot of our motivation for having these kind of conversations is just, the the feel of the strong magnetic pull to one end or the other and that real life is just not just doesn't work like that um you know life under the sun life in babylon for the people of god is almost never straightforward or easily buttoned up or um you know it's always been it's always been keep in step with the spirit and apply the mind of Christ as best you can and throw yourself on the mercy of God. And that's the, that is the way. And, you know, as we talked about last time, uh, us on our, on our best day, really, if we are honest, don't want to do that. (laughs) You know, it's, it's only the grace of God leading us into um, a higher level of allegiance, as you put it, Josh, in the first couple pages of the book, that that is what keeps us on a very straight, very narrow path. And, you know, it's just, and and as the analogy in the book lays out, you know, all along the way, there's a lot of paths that look better and, Mm -hmm. you know, there, but for the grace of God, we end up and that's, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the way of it, isn't it? And, you know, catch me on a different day and maybe, maybe I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Ours is a world that is unfriendly to nuance. Uh, and unfortunately the conversation around what it means to keep the faith, if you like, or, or to not keep the faith is a conversation that necessitates nuance. I think that if, if the negative reaction to the book had been uniformly, uh, there's no nuance in this book. And if the acclaim for the book, if you like, had been uniformly like, oh, thank God he said what we already all, all already thought, I might have been deeply discouraged and convinced I had failed as like a writer and a communicator, however you want to describe. Mm-hmm. But that hasn't been the case. There's been, and I'm not saying like, oh man, I really hit a home run. I just felt like it alleviated my concerns that I had blown it to see across both reactions, positive and negative, that there are people who are like, this book demonstrates some level of like nuance and, uh, and respects that, that like, this is a complicated conversation. There are people who liked it that said that. And there are people who didn't like it that said, well, it is nuanced, but I just disagree with the outcome. And then of the minority of the minority of the minority, there's people who are like, you know, this is a deaf reaction to people of deconstruction. There's no nuance here. He just makes fun of like if that had been the reaction, not even across the board, just like a, more of the reaction. I think I would have been like, oh, crap. You know, I know mm. I know I'm prone to being strongly worded and confrontational, especially creatively. Maybe I blew it. Maybe I I didn't demonstrate the appropriate level of of nuance. But I think that from experience, I just know that we don't like nuance nuance is frustrating and like you said taylor like the 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 you know um fundamentals are more comfortable and being able to say this is good this is bad 
this person's good, this person's bad, this person's right, this person's wrong. And some sometimes those categories apply, but more often than not, it's, you know, if, if the book had painted a picture that's like everyone who just stayed in church is going to heaven and anybody who had any doubts is going to hell, that'd be a much easier to, book to write. Um, Sell. But it's baloney. Yeah. You know, it, doesn't, it doesn't really hold any water. In the same way that like, Yes, obviously not every person who is deconstructing their faith is some kind of like soft, unthinking, progressive snowflake. And that every person who stayed a Christian and, you know, is that part of a church is not some kind of conservative fundamentalist that is not allowed to ask any questions whatsoever. The overlap is actually huge in mm-hmm. the amount of people who like you. I think you put a well tailor and saying, like, catch me on a different day and I, I won't have as good an answer. That's <laughs> just what it means to follow Jesus at all. Um, we're all on the precipice of deconversion constantly throughout the discipleship journey. And that's a really difficult conversation to have because it doesn't make us feel as, as safe. Um, but, you know, th- that is the conversation I, I have attempted to engage, understanding that the backlash was, if not imminent, inevitable. And it's, it's been tough, but overall, you know, I wouldn't, I, so far I wouldn't have said anything differently. Uh, at least not like ideologically. Maybe I would have nitpicked some of my creative decisions, but that's just, that's how that goes. Like one of those actors that can't watch their own movies afterwards. Yeah, I've never reread any of my books, except for at one point I tried to go back and reread the first novel I wrote because I was going to revise it, and I was like, P-U, and I just threw it in the trash. <laughs> uh, oh, man. So maybe at some point I'll reread Death to Deconstruction and be like, oh, wow, some of these. But, you know, that doesn't that doesn't scare me either. I, I know a lot of people who are like, oh, my. Some people, Somebody online was like, you should have waited longer. You should have, you know, like what's the rush to write? I'm like, I'm 40 years old. I've written like eight books. Like what, what do you mean? What's the rush? I'm not rushing yes. anything. And, uh, you know, I've been a pastor for these, this many years. And I think that the, the inference again, being like, well, if you were just a little more mature, you'd agree with me, <laughs> you know, yeah. but I'm less, I'm less terrified of going back to a book and finding that my, you know, uh, theological systems have evolved or my doctrinal positions have slightly shifted. Like, that's just the inevitability. You'd never. It's like getting a tattoo. You either want it or you don't. Just get the thing. Like you're, you're always <laughs> gonna think of something better. You know what I mean? Yeah. So obviously, my position is just get the tattoo. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> to you and um just hear your heart i mean i i've enjoyed reading it just seeing kind of what you've been through in that journey and um it's been helpful you know we've talked quite a bit about deconstruction but it's you know different different viewpoints people go through it differently and um mine was more just kind of getting away from some of the fundamentalism but it's it's different for everybody you know totally yeah and so that's the other thing here's another thing about interpretation and maybe this is what you can end with if you want is that 
The book's called Death to Deconstruction. Obviously, you don't call your book Death to Deconstruction oblivious to, to <laughs> the fact that people are going to have a problem with that. But then, like you said, Taylor, uh, on page one, I think that there's something that's disarming or it's intended to be disarming and redirect the, the reader's attention to be like, oh, well, maybe this isn't a book about the thing that I thought it was going to be about. Yeah. And then by the book's conclusion, kind of the final memoir chapter, I use the term deconstruction in a way that's been repurposed in context of that first page. Um, and and that's the moment that I th the title of the book is meant to kind of become cohesive or solidify in the reader's mind as something more than just I had problems with the Bible or, you know, I left church or that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, to reach that understand or reach that kind of interpretation, you'd have to engage the book really thoughtfully or or read it. You know, yeah. and it's yeah. easier oh, to just be, be like that. says right there on the cover, <laughs> death of deconstruction. That really ticks me off. And I get it. I called the book that that was my decision. I promote it. I put it, you know, death to deconstruction on everything. But to me, that's like that's the way I like. I like art that is like an invitation to be like, what the heck is that? Even if you don't like it, what the heck is that supposed to mean? And I, mm -hmm. I talked to a gentleman who was like, why'd you call it that? Why couldn't you have just called it like death to evangelicalism? Because you do. You critique all these things in the book as well you could have easily have just called it something like that and i'm like yeah but that book's already around and that title's boring yeah. like that's not as <laughs> provocative to me and he said well that's true i did only buy it because it made me mad that it said <laughs> construction on the cover <laughs> like, there well, we go point. <laughs> so it, did, it was worth it at least one in one instance anyway got somebody's attention yeah you know and if most of the people even the people that liked it don't come away from the final, you know, reading the book and concluding like, oh, okay, I get what he meant by that now. That's fine with me too. To me, it's like, you know, like a good movie that, you know, years and years later, and I'm not saying like, oh, people can be reading this for it, but like, you know, the kind of movie that people kind of cling to and then reinterpret over the years and be like, you know what? I just noticed for the first time that Dr. Alan Grant has two female parts to a belt buckle in his helicopter. Yeah, he can't, yeah, yeah, he can't buckle up, so he has to like find a way around it and tie them together. Like that's like a foreshadowing of the the you know blah 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 blah. It's like that's fine with me. Maybe that'll happen at some point. And if not, like I still I still stand behind those creative decisions. We'll just you just have to let it go at some point. We stand behind them also, insofar as we have a stance on anything. Yeah, <laughs> you guys, these guys, they get it. That's well. I <laughs> I don't know. Catch me on a different day, as I said earlier. Well, um, I guess the, the the question is, I mean, you you brought it into perspective well in that you said, I mean, this is kind of this is kind of what you've always been doing and what the response has always been as far as you putting your voice, whatever that means exactly, out into the world and people responding to it is that there's going to be the the critique and the admonition and the exhortation and it's going to land on this kind of ground or that kind of ground and you're going to get that response so in uh you're you're prolific insofar as that you work on a lot of stuff so now, now that you've been through this process of getting the book out there having the conversations about it what is kind of what's next what um and what are the expectations or hopes you have for what the next thing or things are well, I have a book that is um, supposed to come out this fall about art, which I wrote prior to Death to Deconstruction. And uh, I've, I'm going through the revisions now and thinking that it's kind of funny because 
I thought that the book about art was a divisive book when I was writing it, but it's kind of old to me now. I had to go back and update everything because I intended to publish it before Death of Deconstruction, but it didn't work out that way. And now it seems so fantastically tame because it's not called Death of Deconstruction. <laughs> Is it still um, called With All Its Teeth? Yeah, With All Its Teeth. Sex, violence, profanity, and the death of Christian art. Surely uh, that'll offend somebody if we're lucky. Maybe, yeah, but you know, it won't. It doesn't stand to necessarily uh, offend the same group of people. Um, <laughs> we got to change up the audience. From I, time yeah, to time. I don't know exactly how interested the world is going to be in a book about a theology of offensive art, but um, so I don't know. What, I don't know what to think. I think you know, like uh, when it comes to novels, which are which are more interesting to me and which I like writing more than nonfiction um there's less of a consideration for like oh is this the right time for this kind of book and 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 will it find the audience for which it will be helpful you just like make up a story and put it out into the world with nonfiction, there is that consideration at least to some extent you know like it's it's semi-creative but you still have to like this these are books intended to help people or or evolve perspectives yeah. and so I don't know. I go, I'm go. i going into it the same approach as I did the last book. I wrote a thing. If you want to read it, here it is, and we'll see if the reaction is indifference or outrage or approval. Uh, I know that people probably think I'm, I make stuff just to push buttons, but I really just make the thing I want to make, influenced by artists that have a long track record for um, provoking. And then I deal with the reaction as it comes and as I feel is appropriate to, you know, to deal with it. So it'll be another book and then <laughs> we'll see. So similarly, um, this album that is companion to the book came out under the showbread name, not the, under the bell jar name, which is a, a change and you don't have to comment on that necessarily, but, uh, showbread is playing furnace furnace fest in September. And, you know, I saw a lot of comments being like, I thought showbread was show dead and, and all this kind of stuff. So um, is there anything on the music front that you can talk about? I don't know, honestly, that we didn't plan to write a showbread record. We the the group that made the bell jar record was meeting for fun in the studio, you know, like a couple times a month or, or, or every month and just um fiddling around uh, there no plan and I, I didn't write like song structures and say here's my idea for a song we would just get together and every single one of us and that's uh, myself my brother Patrick uh, Whitney DePauli who's a co-singer on the new showbread record and Mike Jensen who's been in showbread forever um, someone would have a riff or a sample and uh, we'd start putting stuff together around it when the songs actually took shape and I started writing lyrics for them and when we started involving guitars and things like that, we were like, oh, this is actually a showbread record. It's not mm -hmm. a bell jar record at all. Not that we had planned to make a bell jar record. We were just, we liked that the collaborative or collaborative um, atmosphere that we'd made on that first bell jar record. So like, you guys want to keep making stuff with no plan? Sure. Yeah. And that record came out of it. I've never been a part of a project that happened that way. It's like how Genesis writes songs. They just kind of, free flow in a room until something starts to take shape. I used to always think like, oh my God, how does anyone get anything done like that? It takes a long time. That's at least for us it did. Yeah. Um, and it was with no like ulterior motive, which is the beauty of the weird, ambiguous space that Showbread occupies now in that 
in part because we played Furnace Fest a couple of years ago, and everyone's like, oh, so it's a band again? We're like, not really. They're like, so you'll never play again? We're like, no, we probably would. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Schrodinger's cat, you know? Is it, is it alive? Is it dead? It's both at the same time. And um, It's freaking Pet cemetery. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's kind of, to me, uh, Showbread has become almost like Kiss in that it's a collection of songs and an aesthetic and certain people that yeah. are the like the the spokespeople for that collection of songs and that aesthetic, but it could be with this group. It could be with this group. Mm-hmm. It might reunite and play. It might make new music. It might not do either thing. You just kind of I don't know. Is it alive? Is it dead? Maybe it won't do anything else at all. Um, but we you know we talked and we're like let's keep making music, but not to make an, necessarily to make another Showbread record or another Bell Jar record. It's just kind of that. Right now everybody has a little bit of space. And still likes to make music, so we just keep making crap and see if it turns into this or that thing as it goes. I'd say it turned into a good thing. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. I like it. But I, I do too. What does that mean? You know. At this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, shoot. I'm as I always say. I'm sure we could keep talking, but uh, thank you again so very much for sharing your time with us. Yeah. The, the the stuff that you do uh has i mean it, it it has impact and we you know uh, i'm i'm glad that i get to be privy to it and especially that i get to talk to you a little bit about stuff that i find meaningful so well, thanks, thank man. you i like talking to you guys obviously or i wouldn't do it so <laughs> thanks for having me yeah of course like this is the last time huh <laughs> yeah now he's got another book we'll coming see. out oh, that's, that's right, right. Yeah, <laughs> i'll have to make these circles again yeah I, yeah we, we always enjoy it so Thanks, I appreciate dude. you. I appreciate you guys. Let's let's ruin everything, as some gentleman of my planets once said. Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs>